soulmates, happy holidays. Lots to talk about on this fourth day of Kwanzaa. It is Thursday, December 29th. Welcome to Fox News Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelide Corte. We are honored to stand behind this desk each day to take you on a journey across black America and the stories that impact our people. So you know we're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. Topping our news today, black community activists say they want to make sure there's an honest war on drugs after they say Florida police and the media aren't accurately reporting on the effects of fentanyl. This as one officer is recovering after having to be given three doses of Narcan after she alleges being exposed to the drug while on duty. Shocking video shows the moment uh, the officer, Courtney Bannock, was given the overdose reversing drug as she lay motionless on the side of the road. Reports say that the officer was exposed to uh, fentanyl and reportedly overdosed during a traffic stop by inhaling it during the short time she was exposed. Folks on Twitter are calling for doctors and experts to explain this incident more, while others question the unlikelihood of this happening. The officer is expected to make a full recovery. Heading over to California, where the Board of Supervisors in Orange County have put forth a resolution declaring racism a public health crisis. Lawmakers in California say this comes after seeing an increased hospitalization of people of color during the pandemic. Orange County is about 70% white and historically Republican. In Orange County, a commission report says hate crime soared 165% from just five years ago. Under the vote, Orange County policies uh, will be reviewed to ensure that they are racially equitable. The county joins more than 200 governmental bodies in 37 states that have passed similar declarations, while community leaders say they hope these efforts aren't just symbolic, but also spark action. And the United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams, he's a brother, uh, has made a career out of going after some of the most fraudulent individuals around. Williams, who was nominated by President Biden back in August of 2021, is the chief law enforcement officer for the district, which oversees Manhattan and uh, Bronx and the Bronx, in addition to several other counties. Now, he supervises the investigation and prosecution of all federal crimes and the little of all civil matters in which the United States has an interest, such as major white collar cases. You may be familiar with Williams's latest high profile case involving the flashy bishop, that's Lamar Whitehead, who, if convicted for federal wire fraud and extortion, could find himself behind bars for more than 60 years. Somalia is experiencing its worst drought in nearly 40 years. And now the country is facing another crisis, a looming famine that by next summer could leave more than 8 million people without enough food to eat. Poor rain seasons and failed harvests in Somalia are taking a toll on families across the nation. Millions of people have been driven from their homes by conflict or drought. The United Nations warns that nearly half the country could be in a critical food crisis in the coming months. This all comes as Al-Shabaab has banned international food agencies and international relief agencies from delivering food. This is just terrible to see, Courtney. Um, so many people suffering, so many of our people suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, and this issue is man-made, you, mm -hmm. uh, you know. This is not 
simply just a natural disaster, sure. right? But part of it is the human response to it. And the fact that humanitarian aid is being prevented from being able to get into Somalia to provide mm -hmm. millions of people with the food that they need uh, is absolutely terrible. And we owe Mother Africa so much. Uh, and I, I like the fact that you say uh, human-made as far as the conflicts are concerned because, you, you know, you just sometimes you just can't make good on natural uh, disasters and natural happenings. But I'd love for these other countries uh, to keep the same energy uh, that they had when Ukraine uh, was under attack due to man-made conflicts and, and help out these other countries in need. That's, that's what I want to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this is not the first time that we've seen uh, examples of severe drought, mm -hmm. uh, which leads to you know challenges in terms of harvest and all of that, and so um, you know the challenging part is getting the humanitarian aid in. That's right. Um, I know that there was just the uh, Africa Leader Summit that mm -hmm. took place in Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. uh, leaders from across the continent convened um, in D.C. to talk about solutions, some of the most persistent challenges, but even more than that, investing in economic opportunities in Mother Africa. And so uh, I've got to believe that there are folks that were talking about this issue in Somalia. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, we're absolutely going to do our part to keep this on our radar because uh, the Somalis are a part of our community. Right. Uh, and right here on Fox Soul's Black Report, if we can't report on what's happening there, uh, then you know we might be missing the mark and we don't intend to miss the mark. And keep that same energy. That's right. Keep that same energy. All right, we have a Fox Soul Black exclusive you won't find anywhere else. That's right. From the Big Apple to the nation's capital, I spoke to White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre about everything from her start to her hopes mm. for the future. Take a listen. Karine Jean-Pierre, White House Press Secretary. <laughs> you quoted <it> like Cortez. <laughs> My friend from 10 years ago. That's right. Like 10, 15 years ago. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. So it's been a year. Or almost a year, almost a year, you in this role. You started in the no, spring. No, it hasn't been a year. How long has it been? I started mid-May. Okay. Well, I'm rounding up. No, I mean, you're rounding <laughs> a big time. It's been about seven months. But, you know, tell us, you know, does walking through these White House gates, does it ever get old? It I mean, never gets old. And uh, if it ever gets old, you probably shouldn't be here anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, this is so historic. Uh, this is... Um, something that I think about every day when I walk onto these grounds, mm -hmm. when I walk through the gate, uh, it just always puts me in awe. I mean, look at the look at our backdrop. Our backdrop is the White House. Wow. And look there's at that. truly, truly nothing like it. And you know, but I think part of that is also working in this administration, working for the Biden Harris administration, which is a historic administration mm -hmm. that has gotten so much done for the American people. If you think about the last almost 22 months and you think about how we've really put e equity at the center of everything, yeah. this is something that the president had wanted to do. When you think about the economic policy, you think about the student loan plan that he put forward, mm -hmm. you think about the Inflation Reduction Act, all of that has equity. Yeah. So we are not forgotten. Our people are not forgotten in this administration. If anything, we're lifted, we're elevated. Just look at my role. Yes. Right? And speaking of your role, yeah. I mean, back to you, how would you describe your, you know, your first, you know, eight months or so in the role? How would you describe it in one word? Oh, one word. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. It has been, yes, historic. Yes, you know, 
the best way that I can explain it is when I see people, when I go out there and I travel with the president, or I travel on my own, and I go out there, people come up to me and they're in tears mm -hmm. because of what it means to be standing at that podium for them, about what it means to be um, the person that's speaking for the most powerful person in the world, really, and being able to deliver the message, be able to speak about the work that we're doing. And it is, it's, it still keeps me in awe at times yeah. because I was, telling some, I was telling somebody how we live in a bubble. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think we live in a bubble. And you are so focused on the work, you're so focused on getting the work done that you don't, sometimes you forget how many communities that, uh, that my world, that the world that I'm in uh, hits. Mm -hmm. You think about the black community, the gay community, the immigrant community. Yeah. And uh, it matters. It matters to so many people. And it goes back to representation. Yeah. How much representation matters. And if you look across this, this administration, you look at agencies, you look at this White House, and you look at the, who's running these uh -huh. offices, there's so much representation that matters on how we build policy, that matters on how we talk about mm -hmm. things, that matters on how we're going to move forward the Biden-Harris administration. Yeah. And I think that matters. Repres when we say representation yeah. matters, you see it right here. And I see it every day. Now, when you first started off, you had a different idea of representation. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, you studied to go, you, you tried to go to medical school. I you were, did. You were I studying did. to go to medical school. <laughs> you were studying very hard. I did. Uh, that was uh, an inflection point in your life yeah. for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Uh, you write about it in your book. Yes, I do. Uh, and, and I talk about it a lot with many many young people in particular. Yeah. How do you go? Story. How do you go from being a medical school student or trying to get into medical school to yeah. being yeah. at the White House podium? How does that even I happen? I think I actually think I have a story that's so important to so many people that there is no one path to getting to your dream or to getting to uh, a place that fulfills you. Mm -hmm. There are many paths, and I think my story shows that path. Mm -hmm. And look, I grew up in a household where my parents believed having a profession like a doctor or a lawyer or engineer yeah. will get you to wealth, will get you to mm -hmm. uh, a place where you're successful. And I decided very early on that that wasn't my path. And it took me a while, right? It took me a while to find this path. I always tell young people that you should follow your passion. And one thing that I've learned recently is sometimes someone following their passion is not available to everyone. Yeah. Uh, and I understand that, mm -hmm. but young folks that I meet, I say to them, follow your passion, go for that, right? Go for what you really, really, truly believe in mm -hmm. and do the work and everything else will come. There will be some times where you fall yeah. and you have to get get yourself back up, mm -hmm. but you'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but just getting to talking about the podium at this time and, and how I got to the podium, I think also you need someone, people who believe in you yeah. and support you. And look, I'm at that podium because this president yeah. and this first lady thought and believed that they, I was the one, mm -hmm. I was the person yeah. that the country needed to see on a daily basis. Amazing. It was great. It was great. It was great. I mean, just, just so honest and uh, just so many gems of wisdom yeah. she has. Uh, she's one of the hardest working people that I know. Mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, she's there for the right reasons. You know, she really uh, feels like she's walking in her purpose. Yeah. Uh, and being there, and you know, it's a testament to 
you know, the judgment of the president and first lady mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. you know, put her out front to represent them and represent the White House and, and the government. Yeah, talk the a executive little, branch. Talk, I heard it. Talk a little bit about this friendship, this 10-year friendship, <laughs> little, little day one, little flavor going on uh, here. Yes. I saw pictures with, that was your mom, I think I recognized. My mom, and, uh, my aunt, yeah, my cousins. I, I peeped it. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's even celebrated Thanksgiving with the family mm -hmm. before. I mean, you know, she is, you know, I affectionately refer to her as my sister friend oh, uh, because, you know, we support each other and, uh, it's just a, a joy to be able to call her a colleague mm -hmm. and be able to engage her mm -hmm. in her current role in this way um, and bring all of our soulmates along. But Kareen, uh, you know, we met through mutual friends, you mm -hmm. know, uh, over a decade ago yes. and we became fast friends and we have so much in common obviously being a part of the LGBTQ community, yeah. you know, coming from, you know, immigrant families, mm -hmm. uh, being hard workers and, and all of our work in politics. Yeah. Um, so many touch points. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. seeing as though you're a personal friend, I need you to touch uh, her, her cell phone, send a message. Here you I, go. Here I need you that go. overcoat. <laughs> I need it in an eight, maybe a 10 if there's no give. And the shoes, I, the boots, uh, the, I need a nine and a half wide. Thank you. <laughs> we'll work on it. We, you have no choice Kar but to. Karina's listening. You must so. keep your coworker, <laughs> this coworker happy, this colleague happy. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Still ahead, more from our exclusive interview with White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. Ooh, that's a sharp coat. Exclusively. It's an exclusive right here on Fox Soul's Black Report. We'll be right back. You think I'm playing. Get that tail phone <laughs> and text that. Welcome back. Taunted for being black, a student fought back. That's right. According to civil rights advocacy groups, there seems to be a troubling pattern mm. in the school district and in the broader region of West Texas. The advocacy groups include the local NAACP, the American Civil Liberties Union of Texas, and the Intercultural Development Research Association. Uh, they've all filed federal complaints with the U.S. Education Department's Office for Civil Rights on behalf of more than a dozen black students. Slanton's superintendent said that the federal student privacy laws prevent the district from commenting, but in a written statement, they claim regular training for staff to address bullying, uh, and they claim to have a zero tolerance policy for racism. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this story is really interesting. You know, Autumn, mm -hmm. the 17-year-old senior at Slinton High School, um, she said that she'd asked a boy four days in a row to stop saying the N-word before she snapped. Uh, Autumn, who had no major disciplinary uh, history, she grabbed the boy by the hood of his sweatshirt, yelling at him between each open-handed slap to the top of his head, shouting expletives. 
Uh, school administrators sentenced her to 45 days mm -hmm. in an alternative school for students with severe disciplinary problems. And distraught and convinced that her future was ruined, Autumn's family said that she ran away from home last month mm -hmm. and made a plan to kill herself. Now, so in a separate civil rights uh, filing, civil rights groups said black students in the Lubbock Copper Independent School, Cooper, excuse me, Independent School District, which shares a border with Slatton, have been subjected to a toxic racial uh, environment. And so, you know, hopefully uh, this uh, group of um, leaders, uh, civil rights leaders in that area, along with the students and their families, will continue to uh, push forward because it seems to be uh, pretty much ongoing in mm -hmm. that particular area. Yeah. And yeah. we'll continue to keep our eye we on the will. story because there's more than what meets the eye here. Indeed. All right. Moving along here, a team of researchers in Canada say they have discovered two new minerals and potentially a third after analyzing a slice of a 15 ton meteorite that landed in East Africa. The meteorite is the ninth largest recorded at over two meters wide. It was unearthed in Somalia in 2020 and although local uh, camel herders say it was well known to them for generations and named Nightfall in their songs and poems. University of Alberta scientists would like to examine other samples from the same meteorite, but Heard says there were reports that it had been, that Heard said that there's been reports that it had been moved to China. Uh, meteorites are often bought and sold on international markets. And I had to read that because um, when I was, when we were going over this story, upstairs, who knew that they were selling meteorite pieces <laughs> to different countries? I'll say, wait a minute, how did the meteorite move? I'm figuring it came to Earth, that part of Somalia and Africa, and you just leave it alone. But, you know, I, I, I guess they take it and they and they do their thing and then they actually sell it. I mean, this, it's all about the dollar, huh? Well, let me tell you, there are so many natural resources on the continent, and so <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of not surprised well. that uh, someone uh, took it upon themselves to go there and to excavate and uh, parts it. of this meteorite and sell them uh, to, to different mm -hmm. uh, uh, buyers around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I can't say I'm terribly surprised given the legacy of, uh, of colonialism I know, on the continent. But nothing is left to just be a, a, a spectacle, a, a freak of nature. Even the locals there have, have named it. It's a part of you know their culture and, and, and what they talk about and sing about and dance about. And just to hear that folks have come in and taken pieces of it and gone to sell it, <laughs> it's just tickled. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, now on to someone who is representing several different groups. Uh, I'm not surprised at uh, uh, how and why so many folks are rooting mm -hmm. for her success in her role. I'm talking about White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. In part two of our exclusive interview, we discuss mental health in the black community and achievements made for our community by the Biden-Harris administration. Take a listen. I've got to ask you on a very yeah. personal note, yeah. uh, and you know that I have a brother that died of suicide. Yeah. I know in your book, yeah. page 46 specifically, wow. you know, you talk about, yeah. you know, how once upon a time you actually contemplated suicide. Yeah. What would you say to the young Kareem? that was on yeah. the other side of where you're standing today? Wow, that's such a good story, uh, good, good question. Um, because yesterday I actually talked about this at the podium, especially in this time, people are having a hard time. 
Mm -hmm. um, and we heard about a, a recent um, suicide. Um, Twitch. Twitch, yeah. yeah. And when I heard that story, that really hit me. Mm -hmm. uh, because you never know what people are going through. And I think it is a reminder to be kind to ourselves uh, and to understand. And it's, it's easy to say it now. It's so hard at that time. But you are loved. And there are people who want to see you you know, live and be successful. And at the time, it is so hard. And that, when I heard that story, it really hit home. And I would tell a young Korean to keep your, your head up, mm -hmm. to follow that passion. There are people who love you. You are going to do great and amazing things and to trust in yourself. Uh, and, you know, for folks who are having a hard time to reach out. Yeah. You know, it's important to reach out and talk to someone. And I know it's so easy to say that right right mm -hmm. now as I'm standing here in my own success. Uh -huh. But just I want folks to know that I've been there and I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is. And, um, you know, we love you. We love you yeah. and we are here for you. How do you want to be remembered in one word? Um, that's, not, that's a tough question. <laughs> and QQ. You're right. Wow. Your tenure here will be long, I'm sure, but... Long. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you want to be remembered? Oh, man, I just want to be remembered as someone who always put her heart in everything and, um, and wanted to do good. And that's how I lead, you know, and sometimes it's not easy. And really wanted to make a difference in this space, in this world. Um, it's not one word because it's so much more than one mm. word. And I hope that every day I'm at that podium, every day that I'm in this administration working for this president, uh, that, I, that people see that, that people see that I'm putting my heart into it, uh, that, I, that I believe in everything that we are doing here uh, to make sure that we deliver for people who are forgotten. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes me wake up every morning. That's what makes me come, come through these gates every morning and work inside this, this White House is because I believe that in this, in this administration, the Biden-Harris administration, that we are doing good and we are trying to lift people up and not forget anyone. And that has been a promise that uh, you know, this president made during the campaign and that we're keeping. And last question, Kareen, what's your message to black folks? Black folks have been, yeah. uh, you know, you know, have had a lot of different feelings about this administration from the very beginning, yeah. some fair, some unfair. Uh, that's a large part of our audience. Yeah. What's your message to black folks out there uh, as you head into, uh, as we head into 2023, the next year of this yeah. administration? So I think that if you look at this administration, if you look at what this president has done, this has been an, an administration that has been the most effective, the most consequential in history. And I say that with facts. I say that by looking at our record. I say that by looking at what this president does. He always says, watch me. And if you watch him and you've watched the policies that he's delivered on, you think about HBCUs, $6 billion, almost $6 billion to HBCUs, which is a historic amount. Uh, that's going to help uh, people like me and you mm -hmm. back in the day when we were trying to figure out what we were trying to do with yeah. our career and our lives. Uh, and so that's really important. You look at the environment, the in, pardon, environmental policy, I'm thinking economic policy that we, he has put together and put forth. You think about the bipartisan infrastructure legislation, you think about the Inflation Reduction Act. And I'm, I'm saying these big names, yeah. but 
We're talking about lowering costs for prescription drugs. That matters. That matters to my mom. Mm -hmm. That matters to your mom. Mm -hmm. That matters to our grandparents. Mm -hmm. Uh, you think about uh, the energy costs that we pay. We're, the president is going to, because of this piece of legislation that he signs, going to lower those costs. And we put equity at the center of everything that we did uh, because the president has always said we're going to build this, this economy from the bottom up and the middle out and not forgetting anyone, not forgetting anybody at all. You think about the unemployment rate that has gone down. When we walked in, when this president walked in, the economy was in a downturn. There was COVID that was really ravaging lives and taking thousands of lives. And he took a step that people thought he wouldn't be able to get done. And he passed a big piece of legislation that put money in people's pockets right away, that made sure that people got shots in their arms so that we, and it was done in an equitable way, that we didn't forget the brown and black communities. And because of that, you see unemployment rate going down, you see jobs creation, historic job creation. So again, this has been a historic, uh, historic administration for the first to almost two years. And you just have to watch him and you have to look at the record and see how he has delivered. And we're going to continue doing that. Let's not forget one of my favorites, Kataji yeah. Brown Jackson. Oh, yeah. KBJ. KBJ, right? And that is something that is going to have a major effect on our court system, having this black woman, this first black woman in the Supreme Court. And that's, let's not forget all of the other federal, the federal courts that we have been able to change the complexion of how that those courts look like uh, because the president has kept his promise on making sure that we have black, other, black women and people of color uh, at, at that level as well. So I think we've delivered and kept our promise to the, to the community, to the black community, to our community. All right, we heard it here, KJP <laughs> opining on KBJ. That's right, and NQQ interviewing KJP. We love there we it. go, we there we go. We love it. Thanks for joining us here on Fox Soul's Black Report. Thank you, Fred. Thank you. <laughs> and not only is this administration changing the complexion of the court, but Karine Jean-Pierre is changing the complexion of folks struggling with mental health mm -hmm. uh, issues. She's talked very openly about her attempted suicide. Um, she talks about it a lot in her book, uh, Moving Forward. Um, uh, in chapter one, she starts off with it, page uh, 46. She says, I felt like an idiot, thanks in large part to my inability to confront my sexuality. I was so afraid of who I really was that I invested absolutely everything in who my parents and siblings thought I was and wanted to be. Becoming a doctor was to be my saving grace. I had always clung to it as if it were my life raft. So when I failed at this one thing, my entire world crumbled. I wanted to die. Uh, Kareem wanted me to make sure I passed along the uh, National Suicide Hotline, 988. You can dial it, you can text it uh, in English and in Spanish. Uh, she is, we're so glad that her life was spared yeah. uh, and that uh, she could be here uh, as a historic first for um, the nation and the world to see. And to, and to share that experience and to be so uh, upfront and transparent uh, about it. I'm sure that will resonate um, with many. So definitely appreciate her for that. But you know, I, I, you all 
have had this amazing, rich conversation, but you know me and probably some of the soulmates uh, watching. Was that a cake that came <laughs> to you? And if so, uh, so is it so tight at the White House where they have to walk a cake? The police have to, guards have to have to walk a cake. Um, it was. It looked fabulous, by the way. That but, must have been a special cake. But what I love about it is you just gave such a behind-the-scenes perspective. I don't think I've ever saw that backdrop of the White House. Yeah. And and so I'm, I'm joking, but I say that to say that was like the real deal, man. It was. That was amazing. Real behind-the-scenes. Yeah. Our appreciation to the White House team for uh, making... Uh, uh, everything available uh, mm. to us uh, and to Kareem for making herself available. She's one of the busiest people in Washington yeah. and she made time for us. Yeah. That frosting must have had some gold or platinum <laughs> stirred up in Next there. Next time I'll bring it up back. in there. You better. Yeah, there's <laughs> more coming up on Fox Soul's Black Report still ahead. When we come back, we go behind the scenes even more and wrap up our exclusive interview with the White House press secretary. <laughs> You're watching Fox Soul. Black report. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Soulmates. Let's get you caught up on the top stories of the day, just in case you are joining us. The black community, those activists say that they want to make sure there's an honest war on drugs after they say Florida police and the media aren't being accurate about reporting on the effects of fentanyl. This comes as one officer is recovering after having to be given three doses of Narcan after she alleges she was exposed to the dangerous drug while on duty. Shocking video shows the moment officer Courtney Bannock was given the overdose reversing drug as she lay motionless on the side of the road. However, people are publicly pushing back on the story with many on Twitter calling for doctors and experts to explain more, while others have actually questioned the unlikelihood of something like this happening. The officer is expected to make a full recovery. Supervisors in Orange County, California, have put forth a resolution declaring racism a public health crisis. Lawmakers in California say this comes after seeing increased hospitalizations of people of color during the pandemic. Orange County is about 70% white and historically Republican. In Orange County, a commission report says hate crimes soared 165% from five years ago. Under the vote, Orange County policies will be reviewed to ensure they are racially equitable. The county joins more than 200 governmental bodies in 37 states that have passed similar declarations, while community leaders say they hope these efforts aren't just symbolic, but also spark action. And Somalia is experiencing its worst drought in nearly 40 years, and now the country is facing yet another crisis, a looming famine that by next summer could leave more than 8 million people without enough food to eat. Poor rain seasons and failed harvests in Somalia are taking a toll on families across that nation. Millions of people have been driven from their homes by conflict or drought. The United Nations warns that nearly half the country could be in a critical food crisis in the coming months. This all comes as Al-Shabaab has banned international food agencies and international relief agencies 
agencies from delivering food. And lastly, the United States attorney for the Southern District of New York is a brother. His name is Damian Williams, and he's made a career out of going after the most fraudulent individuals. Williams, who was nominated by President Biden back in August of 2021, is the chief law enforcement officer for the district, which oversees Manhattan and the Bronx, in addition to several other counties. As United States Attorney, Williams supervises the investigation and prosecution of all federal crimes and the litigation of all civil matters in which the United States has an interest, such as major white collar cases. Now, the first edition, um, excuse me, that's going to do it for me. Back over to Nikora Lai. Thank you, Courtney. Uh, now, uh, the first edition of the Black Carpet Awards will premiere during Milan Fashion Week in February, sponsored by Instagram and Condé Nast. Michelle Francine Ingonmo said she was inspired by a note she received from Virgil Abloh, the late fashion designer and founder of the Off-White label, recognizing her work promoting people of color in Italian fashion. It said simply, I see you. 10 awards will recognize leaders who promote diversity, equity, and inclusion through culture, creativity, community, legacy, and entrepreneurship. Five will be chosen by a jury. Another five will be popular People Choice Awards. Very nice. Okay, a supervisor at a Montreal 911 call center is pushing for change after a 2019 report revealed that Montreal police disproportionately stopped black and indigenous, indigenous citizens. Now, the training provided to 911 operators is among the first of its kind in North America and will look at the language used by staff to prevent bias or racist stereotypes from filtering through a 911 call into the police response. Now, the new training comes as the SPVM grapples with racial profiling and welcomes a new chief, Lady Dogger, lauded by the mayor's office as the leader of a, quote, new police culture. All right, soulmates, I really love this next story. It's about a 10-year-old who once lived in a New York homeless shelter. Well, guess what? He's achieved a remarkable title, chess master. Tawani Adi Wumi first made headlines in 2019 when he won New York State's chess championship for his age group while living in the shelter. His family fled the Boko Haram in Nigeria two years before that. Adi Wumi says that he practiced chess for 10 to 11 hours a day after school to become a chess master. Kingmakers of Oakland is on a mission to improve the lives of black boys and build a stronger education system for all students. The Chan Zuckerberg Initiative is committing $4.8 million to bring their comprehensive research-backed school improvement approach to more schools and districts across the country. That's according to this particular press release. Kingmakers works hand-in-hand -hand with districts to help them get a full understanding of their community's unique needs. They partner on building the capacity of schools to make improvements, helping teachers form deep relationships with students that ultimately increased learning and life outcomes. Launched as the African American Male Achievement Program in the Oakland Unified School District back in 2010, Kingmakers later became an independent nonprofit. That's good work.
We love to see good work coming out of Oakland. All right, okay. now now you can uh, you can double dip uh -oh. on your morning drip. How about that? I love that. Uh, or mocha or frappuccino as Starbucks and Delta have announced a new partnership. So this is how it works. When you link your Sky Miles and Starbucks accounts at deltastarbucks.com, You'll earn one Sky Mile, just one, for every dollar spent on eligible purchases at Starbucks. Other perks include new choice benefits for Diamond and Platinum Medallion and 4,000 Starbucks stars. Uh, and so for those folks out there that love their Starbucks and for those folks like us that travel on yeah. Delta, that's an important but note. One Sky Mile? That's gonna take a lot of <laughs> doggone coffee. Like, give me at least like five, like like three and a half. They are being a little stingy One with those Sky, Sky Miles. Mile? Yeah. Do you know how many cups of coffee you'd have to like drink or purchase for that to really make an impact? I appreciate it, but come on, uh, Delta and Starbucks. I'm, let me just say this. I think Delta, and let me not just pick on Delta because I think it's true for a lot of the other airlines mm -hmm. that we fly. Mm -hmm. I think they need to revisit their formula in terms of. Uh, you know, what counts towards uh, those frequent flyer miles mm -hmm. and, you know, helping people to gain status uh, or hold their status because mm -hmm. it seems a little bit out of whack since the pandemic. And, and in the mean and in between, I was just going to say that they probably need to revisit how they go about ticketing uh, prices and, and ticketing because I think they're taking advantage really of the fact that we're quote unquote over this pandemic, even though things are ticking up, pay attention. Um, but, I, but I think they're taking advantage of the fact that people want to get up and out, you know, and, and, and it's plane, trains, automobiles. And I, I think, you know, I'm gonna I'm go as far as saying maybe a little gouging. I mean, these prices are absolutely ridiculous. And, and, and I, I know they're maybe trying to make good on what they lost out on during the pandemic, but you know, you want your pe people to be, you know, repeat customers, take it easy. These prices are off the chain. And, and one, I appreciate the the uh, the uh, program but like one sky mile I don't drink that much coffee a whole one no y'all <laughs> <laughs> y'all gotta do better than this <laughs> just Delta. a little bit appreciate you but and, just if, a little bit. and if Delta ain't doing better we need some of the other airlines to step up and come do a little better. on come on just now. saying right all right so we hope you have enjoyed our exclusive uh, interview that you'll only see right here on Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of us. Yes. This is, this is a major moment for mm -hmm. uh, the relaunch of Fox Soul's Black Report. Sure. Uh, but before we go, we have a little behind the scenes uh, of the final part of our interview with Corinne Jean-Pierre, White House Press Secretary. Ooh, let's see. What's it like from this perch? It's so funny, I've never sat in these seats before, at least not back here. I think I've sat up there. A Foxo Black Report yeah. exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's interesting. It's like I, I see the lore from here. Even when I'm at the podium, I, I know I look out and I'm like, wow, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm here at the podium taking questions. You know, it's there, it, it never gets old. Never gets old? It never gets old. It never gets old. It can't. There's too much at stake for a ticket. And I would imagine, especially when you get to step to the podium yeah. and you get to report good news, yeah, like the return of Brittany Griner. The return of Brittany Griner was a it was a such a proud moment for me, um, because of everything that she meant to us, and she meant to me, and I was uh, I, it was a it was a good day, and I got to speak to Sherelle before uh, I went to the podium so I can get her perspective, and I asked her, what is it that you want me to say? Uh, as I'm at the podium, so it was really, it was just, 
it was it was an emotional day, I think, mm -hmm. for all of us. Mm -hmm. And one of those days that reminds you uh, why you're here, why we're here working in this administration. You know? um, and he another promise kept. He made a promise and he kept it. And we're grateful for it. And we are very grateful for it. And we're grateful for your time. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm always here for you, my friend. Yes, always. Yes, I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> only, only you. We hop on a plane mid-show. Oh. I told the folks, like, we're going to meet with Kareem. All right. Well, right? hopefully, hopefully we don't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you guys did not oh. disappoint. And, and again, like I said earlier, such a rich conversation, but you know I'm into the aesthetics. You were actually in the room that we see all the time, uh, breaking news, uh, whether it's uh, Kareem or maybe even, you know, the president or something that has happened. That's right. Good news, like when they brought forth the information on Brittany. That room, how does it, like in person, is it, is it sometimes things are a little uh, bigger than what they appear to be. I, I know there's a story from yesteryear as to where that room is, is um, actually located located it actually is like next to a pool or, or, or like a replication of a pool it's talk over, a little bit about that. it's over what used to be the white house pools i understand mm -hmm, it and mm -hmm. i think it was under president nixon uh where they you know created sort of the modern day yeah. you know briefing room press briefing press room pool. over what used to be the white house pool because yeah, he so, didn't care too much for the press he it didn't was care like too throw, much for a lot of it things. was like a throwaway type <laughs> of a, type of a thing putting the press room over that way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but you know what you know, uh, you know, it, it, if those walls could talk, mm. that's what I was thinking when I walked in there. If these walls mm -hmm. could talk, while wow, mm -hmm. the stories that they would tell about so many major moments in history uh, that matter to uh, our families, that matter right. to our communities. And so I just felt enormously privileged to be able to bring all of our soulmates inside that room mm -hmm. uh, and in conversation with, uh, with someone who is a part of our community, mm -hmm. who is checking for our community. You know, one of the things that uh, she mentioned mm -hmm. uh, at the top is she, she talks about our people. When's the last time you heard a White House press secretary talk about our people, mm -hmm. somebody who is, who is a part of our community? Mm -hmm. And so certainly there have been other White House press secretaries who have been checking for our community, yeah. but to have one of our own in that role um, and really thinking about uh, the issues that matter to us and how to commun communicate those mm -hmm. uh, issues uh, is really something yeah, marvelous. I, I bet you those walls in Nixon never thought they'd be what a Haitian, black, gay uh, woman with hair like wool sitting up there, <laughs> sitting, sitting up there at that podium. That's for sure. <laughs> I think you may be on to something. Okay. Still ahead, inspiring stories of overcoming by change makers across industries. That's all coming up. We've got more Fox Souls Black Report on this fourth day of Kwanzaa. Happy Kwanzaa after the break. All right, soulmates, Dexton Debery, a filmmaker and branded content creator with a strong connection to Nike and the Jordan brands, has launched Falcon, a creative boutique billed as being 
quotes, born at the intersection of multicultural entertainment and advertising. Hmm. All right, the new operation aims to help marketers forge new paths to consumers as traditional formulas and ad units continue to be reworked. Double Ray recently directed Unbanned, The Legend of AJ1, which explores the saga of the original Air Jordan sneaker from 1985. The film debuted at the 2018 Tribeca Film Festival and had a run on the streaming platform Hulu. Flacon is also responsible for TNT's original six-part documentary, The Game Plan with Shaquille O'Neal. It highlighted uh, inspirational stories of Atlanta-based entrepreneurs and also Sincerely Los Angeles. That was a documentary honoring Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Two of the year's biggest celebrities shared the stage in San Francisco. Comedian Dave Chappelle brought out Elon Musk. During his recent stand-up show, both men made headlines this year for various controversies, as we all know and have reported on ad nauseum. Hello. Uh, Musk, more recently, of course, uh, after the mass layoffs at Twitter, and the crowd wasn't too pleased to see him. Take a look. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for the richest man in the world. The crowd started booing when Musk came out, and Dave joked, sounds like some of the people you fired are in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Musk later responded on Twitter, joking that only 10% of the audience was booing. Chappelle supported Musk during the boos and even added, y'all can boo all you want. This guy bought me a jetpack last Christmas. I don't know. Is that funny? My my anchor here didn't seem. You to know be what? That's laughing. so interesting. Um, you know, not too long ago, there was you know this tweet that Musk put out saying, "Hey, uh, tweeters, should I remain as the head of mm. of of Twitter?" And and I just think it's it's very sarcastic. It's very narcissistic. It's very pompous. And he is really you know there are people who are very passionate about. Twitter and the way that they use Twitter to get information out there or to express uh, opinions or, or whatever the case may be. And I just think it was like this taunting kind of thing because this man can pretty much do what he wants to do. And so I don't know. But, you know, Dave Chappelle always has a way of of flipping things, uh, you know, on his back, coming from a different perspective. And so I don't know if that's funny or not, um, but very interesting, to say the least. Dave has a way of poking the bear. Yeah, man. He always comes with it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Whether you agree with it or not, he really does. Yeah, and, you know, Elon Musk, I mean, you know, he just seems like he just craves so much attention. Yeah, and it just that's feels, what I said, narcissistic. It, feels, it just feels so draining. Right. Why do you need right. so much attention yeah. every single day? It's not enough to yeah. be one of the world's richest people. Yeah. You know, you, you just you have to be in the headlines every single day. You can't mm -hmm. even take some time off for the holidays, Mr. <laughs> Musk. Oh, my goodness. Yikes. Yeah, speaking of rich, uh, NBA legend Dennis Rodman's daughter, Trinity, is making moves and dominating the professional soccer world. The 19-year-old recently signed a deal making her the highest-played uh, soccer woman, highest-played woman in soccer. That's it. It's a four-year, $1.1 million contract extension, a massive jump for Rotman, who will make just over $280,000 a year from 
initially starting salary of 42,000. That was just last season. Now the increase is a direct result of her phenomenal breakout season with the Washington Spirits. Robin started 22 of 25 games in 2021 with more than 2000 minutes, seven goals and seven assists. She was awarded the 2021 National Women's Soccer League Rookie of the Year and the U.S. Soccer's Young Player of the Year. Additionally, Rodman was the only one from her team to be given the opportunity to attend the U.S. Women's National Training Camp. Congrats to her. That's amazing. Yeah, good, good amazing for her. Amazing accomplishment. Good yeah, for her. yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, girl. Uh, now, meet the new artistic director of the New York Theater Ballet. The journey to full circle began when he was introduced to ballet at the age of seven. Now, while Stephen and his family were living in a homeless shelter in the South Bronx, Stephen was a product of Project Lift, a community service outreach program that finds at-risk and underserved New York City children and introduces them to ballet. Both Stephen and the program are the subject of the new documentary film focused on homelessness and the healing power of the arts. Academy Award nominated filmmaker David Peterson followed Stephen, the ballet company and young ballet recruits for 10 years straight. Wow, look, I can't wait look, to see this. That's I mean, gonna be pretty great. It is, it is, it is. And, you, and Courtney, you know, um, we talk about this, this mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think one of the great things that we're able to do each and every day right here on Fox Hills Black Report is is to remind folks of the humanity mm -hmm. of the people that are in the headlines and mm -hmm. in between the headlines. And, you know, for him to have the commitment of following these folks around for 10 years mm -hmm. uh, and, and documenting their life, their growth, their struggles, their triumphs, their achievements, uh, I think it really uh, helps to elevate the humanity of people that are unhoused because it's really easy to just sort of think about homeless people yes. as like those folks over there mm -hmm. um, as opposed to you know the human beings that are among us uh, that are unhoused for a host of different reasons and so yeah. I can't wait to see this documentary. What folks need to really stop doing is stop um, dismissing uh, the homeless. You never know what the situation may, may be. I mean I know we have stories of you know drug abuse and things of that nature but you know in in, 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 in a lot of cases uh, most of us soulmates are one or two maybe three checks away from maybe being in that position and so I love the fact that you touched on the humanity of it all and I love when we see those uh, make over um, uh, videos across social media. Sometimes a barber or a beautician uh, will just go out on the streets and and make over uh, a homeless person. And then you can really see that, that that they are in fact human. That there's there's a story there. And when they get you know cleaned up. Um, you know, therein lies the, the dignity. But I believe that we should extend that dignity even, you know, when we walk past them and they're asking us for a little bit of change, you never know someone's story. And, you know, who knows? You, you could possibly maybe be in, in their shoes um, as fate could have it. So yeah. it's about respect, it's about humanity, and it's about doing what you can to give them that dignity. Absolutely, absolutely. Still ahead, making sure there is generational wealth. Yeah, we'll tell you what one brother is doing for his community that's inspiring the next generation of architects. We'll be right back.
The Construction King is a real estate and house building platform run by Geno Johnson, a real estate investor who has sold over 500 newly constructed homes to date. That's right. Johnson started in real estate during the 2008 financial crash, but by 2013, Johnson found his niche selling newly constructed homes. Today, he is still building new homes, but has also expanded into building apartments and purchasing and developing land for subdivisions in addition to coaching new investors. Johnson is now inspired to share his knowledge as he's hosting his first three-day in-person intensive three-day did I say three days? Because yeah. it's three days. It, <laughs> it's you a did boot camp. It repeated it. In Atlanta, <laughs> scheduled for mid-January, participants will learn where to get money mm. to do deals, how to structure deals with zero out-of-pocket expenses, how to build a house successfully from start to finish, and much more. Wow, black excellence there. And yeah. that's and that's nice that it's a, this, this whole each one teach one yeah. you know, kind of thing going on. He has some successes after some failures and then some successes and, and is successful enough to say, mm -hmm. you know what, I want you to be successful too. So this is what I'm gonna share. Yeah, and, and, and giving our people the tools, the, the right. tools to be able to do it themselves, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, what they say, you know, you know, give a man a fish versus teach a man a fish. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. you know, he's teaching people how to fish. Yeah. And we love to see it right here on Foxwell's we do, and I'm looking here, and that three-day uh, boot camp is going to happen uh, towards mid-January, so you can uh, look him up and maybe take part. It's happening right there in Atlanta. Hey, Atlanta soulmates. Something great to do in the new year. That's right. All right. I'm Nicole Corte. And I'm Courtney Hicks. Until next time, soulmates, stay, stay lifted. lifted. Happy Kwanzaa.